0: Hello and welcome to Co-OpCast, your one-stop for cooperative game news and reviews. On this week's episode, Colin and Steve will get into all the co-op news, give their thoughts on some great games,
1: and have a short topic discussion.
0: Hello and welcome to co cast My name's Steve, and this week's episode, we're going to change up the format a little bit. We're going to start off with talking about uh, this uh, a highlight of this week and talk about some things have been going on in the co-op cast community. Then we're going to jump into our normal uh, segment on cooperative news. And finally, we're going to do a review on RuneBound, which is a special request from one of our listeners. And this review is going to be in a slightly different format we're trying out. We're calling it a 3x3. Three three. And later on in the episode, I'll explain what that means. But instead of calling, I have a special guest with me today. And today, joining me is Elijah.
1: Hey, Steve. How you doing? Good, Elijah. How you been? I'm doing great. So uh, I am happy to be here on CoopCast. My name is Elijah. I'll uh, let you know a little bit about myself. Got started in gaming at quite a young age. Um, did uh, Probably my earliest recollection would be Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles role-playing game. So some of you may remember that. Had a blast and uh, kind of set, did some other role-playing as I grew up and um And then moved into sort of life, and uh, eventually came back into board gaming, and um, discovered the wonder of fantasy flight games, and uh, have been hooked ever since.
0: Is that a wonder or a curse? I can't figure that one out. My (laughs) wallet can't decide. My wallet (laughs) is feeling the
1: pain most definitely. So, (laughs) and uh, just I love. uh, I'm a gamer by heart, so I I also enjoy video games, and uh, I just love um, kind of the puzzle, and I love the adventure and the sense of discovery. Uh, I definitely love the social aspect. So. Um, It's very enjoyable and um, kind of expanded. I can't remember my first purchase, but uh, I definitely remember Last Night on Earth, uh, playing that with a friend in the Twin Cities where I'm from. I grew up in Minnesota and um, we did Wings of War and uh, from there my collection just kind of expanded. Been a member of uh, BGG for quite some time, and um, that has also not helped the wallet. So, <laughs> so yeah, I uh, I really enjoy gaming, and uh, I'm happy to be here on uh, Clubcast. Pretty much about it for me. Um, you know, I, I have a family, and so we we love gaming as well, and and kind of doing that. So, try to get active in the community, um, juggling. School age kids uh, keeps me busy, but it's great now that they're older. They can also join in, so they um, really enjoyed Scythe. We're really looking forward to Tiny Epic Zombies as a new purchase. That's awesome!
0: Yeah, if if you listen to our previous episodes, I've mentioned Elijah a few times on the episodes. Uh, he's been my uh, main uh, gaming partner, I guess. We meet about weekly if we can. Do you, he's local, local to me here in North Carolina, and so we want to play tons of. Awesome games, and we found out that uh, our tastes in games are very similar. So for the most part, that definitely helps a lot. So how I met with Elijah is kind of a funny story. I was fairly active on the V Commandos forum on Board Game Geek, and I remember he was asking some questions about the game. I was answering them, and then I happened to notice that there we were actually in the same area. I'm like, "Oh wow, you're like really close to me!" So reached out to him and said so we decided to meet up randomly and ever since then, we kind of hit it off. So first game is V commandos and now we have been playing just about weekly. It's been, it's been great.
1: Yeah. Very weird. Cool. Winky dink. Um, so that's exactly right. Steve, uh, looking into V commandos, possible purchase for myself. Um, and I forget the question that I had, but I did post it on BGG and then you had replied to me. And then uh, somehow I had uh, put in my forum, BGG forum, that I'm in North Carolina, and you you looked me up in the city and said, hey, this sounds weird, but I'm close to you. Would you mind playing? And uh, as board gamers, um, that's one thing I love about this community. No matter where you're in the world, um, you could be in um, India, you could be in Japan, you could be in South America, anywhere, and you could walk into a game store and you feel that connection with other people. And so I did not hesitate in any way. Like, yes, let's do this. I can't wait to try V Commandos, and actually, it worked out for my wallet quite well because you backed everything on Kickstarter, so I did not have to purchase anything. <laughs> so it worked out really well. <laughs>
0: Definitely, yeah. But it's nice that it goes both ways too. There's a few of the games you've backed that have been been nice that I didn't have to back. So, but yeah, that's kind of uh, how we met up, and I want to make sure you guys knew uh, met Elijah, and let's jump into some content here. So. This next segment, we were going to talk about kind of a highlight, just a real brief highlight of what's been going on.
1: So what's new with you, Elijah? Thanks, Steve. I'm really excited. Um, So really, this last week, probably the biggest highlight is finally getting my copy of Tiny Epic Zombies. So really looking forward to that. I love the concept of Tiny Epic Games. Um, I don't have a lot of them, but uh, I'm kind of picky and choosy about what I buy and uh when tiny epic zombies came up i was really excited about that so my wife and i were fans of the walking dead for a while and and watching that and so um it was almost an instant back for me uh when i went out to the kickstarter and was reading through everything i was really excited really curious about the different modes that they had where you had co-op or competitive and so i backed that and uh, received that last week and um very excited about uh playing that. So uh, I was able to open it up and read through the rule book and uh of course the family is salivating over that contents on the table. Like, hey dad, when are we gonna play? So I'm very excited about that. So that's probably the highlight of my uh week. Man, you stole
0: my thunder. That's
1: exactly what I was gonna say.
0: <laughs> also tiny epic zombies. <laughs> um I have played this a few times though. Um I played with my wife once and uh she really enjoyed it. In fact, uh, after he finished the game, she's like she turned to me and says, Yeah, this is my favorite tiny epic game man. I want to play it a few more times, but at this point, I think I agree with her. Um, I It's it's really fun. It's the the scenarios, the different objectives in the game, it, it really sells it. It makes it feel like you can replay it a number of times and not have the same experience, which is good. So, uh, But I'll leave that discussion probably for another day because I'm sure we'll cover that in more detail later. Let's jump into some listener feedback and comments. So I want to give a shout out to Jeff. Jeff is the one who contacted me on Board Game Geek, Geekmail, Geek, Mail, and he requested us to cover the episode of Runebound. He wanted to do a review of that. So that's kind of the whole reason we're doing this episode. So just a uh, heads up to a- anyone out there. Feel free to reach out to any of us, myself, Mike, Peter, Colin, and any of us. And if you have some suggestions in our way, and we will try our best to cover it if we can. The other thing I want to mention is on our Slack channel. Terence has been awesome, and he created a new link to uh, join our Slack. So in the past, you had to contact one of us, and we had to send you an invite. That was kind of the only way of being added to Slack. Well, through some technical wizardry, Terence was able to create a link where you can click this link and add yourself to our Slack. So now it's a little more easy to join in public. So what that URL is, it's HTTP is um, a short link, so it's bit.ly slash one-stop-slack. I'll be posting it in the show notes of the podcast description, so you can just find it
1: there. One thing I'd like to say, Steve, is uh, Slack, if uh, you are not familiar with it, it's kind of a great platform um, where you sign up, really quite simple with your username, password, uh, generally your email address, and they don't send you any spam. What's really great about it is it's kind of a persistent um, chat. So um, they have an app for your phone. Um, You can access it via the website. And it's kind of great. It's almost like a persistent chat channel. You can actually post images and links and things. And so Slack is kind of a great way to connect with the one-stop co-op shop um, to be able to kind of communicate with us and, um, you know, share with other um, fans and followers of the show.
0: I couldn't say it better myself. Thanks for that. So speaking of the Slack, there's some other support that's on there. Uh, Patrick's one of our active Slack members, and he's been doing a great job posting some news uh, links lately. In fact, I even some of the news I'm posting today, he was he was kind enough to uh, post in that news channel. So stuff that I won't be talking about, you can find in that
1: in, in one of those channels. And so with that, we'll uh, kind of conclude the listener feedback here. As uh, always, please send us an email, drop in on Slack as mentioned, and let us know how we're doing. Um, and what le- you'd like to see covered. Certainly, comments um, are helpful to help us drive the direction of the show. Um, we do read all of them and would appreciate any kind of feedback you can provide. So with that, I'm going to go ahead and turn it over to Steve for some news.
0: Let's jump into the news. So today's news, we're going to cover four different games, starting with one with a very nostalgic intellectual property, that one being Power Rangers Heroes of the Grid board game. So this is currently on Kickstarter. It is a game that supports two to five players. It's based on the IP, of course, the Power Rangers IP. I don't know about you, Elijah, but I definitely
1: watched Power Rangers growing up. Back in the day, did you happen to watch the show? I am more of a Gilligan's Island, old school Batman kind of guy.
0: Oh, I can appreciate that. (laughs) I watched those. (laughs) I didn't watch a ton of Power Rangers growing up, but I definitely did watch them. So um, I did actually, it was on Netflix the other day I can't remember I saw it It was it came up on one of my uh, streaming media sources I started watching it again and I don't recommend it I'm not sure it held up the same that I remember it being so (laughs) but anyway so yeah so this is the Power Rangers game Um, you are battling monsters from Rita's army and this is a miniature game but the miniatures are actually larger than the normal miniatures so they kind of vary in size including the obviously the giant mecha droid miniatures so and what do you do in this game you're playing as the power Rangers, since co-op of course and everyone has a unique combat deck and you'll be rolling dice with this and the combat deck is actually part of your health you have to manage and what you'll be doing is there will be four locations you'll you'll lay out there and rita's army is going to be attacking those locations and so you're going to be balancing defending each of those locations while also resting to maintain your health So as you defeat enemies, you unlock new powers, including your Zord powers. So that's your big, big robots. Eventually, you can even unlock the Megazord, a giant miniature to to battle her armies. So, but yeah, that's uh, Power Rangers Heroes of the Crime board game. Campaign ends September 6th, and it's currently fully funded. So Elijah, do you have any interest in this game?
1: Um, I was never a big Power Rangers fan myself. I love gaming, as mentioned before. Um, I did stop out to the Kickstarter and looking, and there is a lot going on in the campaign. So, I mean, as you scroll uh, and look through that campaign, a lot of items have been unlocked. As you mentioned, it is fully funded. Um, And so I don't think you have to worry there. Um, It looks like the game will be coming to market in some fashion in for myself. There's a lot going on. A lot of things have been unlocked. This is not something that has just really reached out and grabbed me. Um, Certainly we would have some listeners out there that might want to definitely take a closer look at this though.
0: Yeah, I'm kind of the same boat. Uh, This Kickstarter page is pretty daunting. There's tons and tons of options. It's just a huge page with tons of minis everywhere. I mean, the, the sculpts they have on there look pretty cool. Um, I, it's kind of hard to digest all the information they have on the page, but for me, I don't think this is a bag for me either. But it does look pretty cool, so I'm sure a lot of people will like this. Let's move on to the next game, Infinity's Defiance of Fate. So this is a one-to-four-player cooperative game, and this one's kind of an interesting theme. That's what kind of caught my eye. So you're playing a leader of a fantasy or sci-fi faction, and it's kind of a, a time-traveling game a little bit, or a timeline game, really. So there is these rifts popping out, and you're going to be playing a forex game and trying to define your own timeline with a branching narrative. So it's got a different, a lot of different modes of play, cooperative, solo, free-for-all, and team play. And you're going to be rolling dice and using dice to p- perform your actions. So action selection with dice is essentially what it is. The artwork looks pretty cool and this one. That's one thing that caught my eye. The board, I don't, I can't really tell what's going on on the board honestly when I look at these pictures because it's just a lot going on artwork-wise. But I'm sure when you look at it in real in, in person, it won't be, it'll be easier to discern. But definitely the artwork looks cool. I like the idea of a, a branching narrative.
1: Yeah. The great thing here, Steve, is I, I do love the artwork and, um, the board looks to be modular. They have it out on Tabletop Simulator and Tabletopia, so you can definitely check it out and play. The rule books are out there as well. Again, looks like a pretty uh, expansive campaign. Looks to be fully funded and um, definitely something to be checking out. I love Forex
0: x games. When I, so when I saw a streamlined forex play with co-op mode, that really caught my attention. Uh, I don't know if I'm going to back this yet. I might wait to see when it comes out. Because I have a little bit of hesitation on how well 4X could be ported over to a cooperative mode. I think I think the co-op mode might be streamlined into that narrative branching system. I'm not sure how much it branches out of that. But if this sounds interesting to you, check it out. Like Elijah said, it is fully funded. And it's going to end on September 9th. And that game is Infinity's Defiance of Fate. So next game I'll we'll cover is a game called Adrift Lost at Sea. So this one is a two to four player cooperative game. And the hook they list on their campaign page is Oregon Trail meets a 16th century shipwreck. So in this game, everyone are survivors of a shipwreck and you're on a lifeboat and you're trying to endure storms, catch fish for food, repair your lifeboat, and essentially navigating the seas to make it back to safety. One unique thing about this game is as you progress through what they call the root home deck, which is effectively an event deck, the bottom half of those cards has a unique sea shanty that, as at the end of the game, you'll be able to sing, sing and kind of retell the story of you, of your game. So I have a little bit of confession to make. Um, I don't know what it is, but I actually do wind up listening to sea shanties on YouTube every
1: once in a while. My wife makes fun of me for it, so. <laughs> Steve, you might want to get that checked out. That uh, I think that's a definite problem. <laughs> Although, if I you're a so fan too. of pirates, I would fully support that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, so one of my favorite sea shanties, I recommend looking this up on YouTube, a man named David Coffin, and the video is called Roll the Old Chariot. And he's at a festival, a maritime festival up in the northeast of the, the United States, and he's leading a this the song and I don't know what it is, but the song is really catchy and really fun. And i listen to that one a lot. And there's a few other ones i listen to as well. It's really, it's a weird, weird habit. I don't know what it is. So I get this mood where I'll just listen to sea shanties while I'm working on something. My wife just makes fun of me. So
1: <laughs> there you go. So Steve, is this like a reverse Robinson Crusoe uh, where you, in Robinson Crusoe, of course, you start on the island and you're trying to survive and get off the island. And this almost seems like the reverse. You're at sea trying to survive to make it to land. Would you equate it to something like that, kind of like a reverse Robinson Crusoe, or I suppose it differs pretty significantly?
0: Well, I, I think in theme wise it's kind of reverse in that sense, where you are trying to survive from being shipwrecked. I mean, Robinson Crusoe, you're also shipwrecked, but you have different scenarios. You're actually on the island. This one, you're on a lifeboat. So yeah, you're trying to you're trying to survive similar effects thematically on the lifeboat, but how they implement it in this game is pretty different. So you flip over to this root home deck. And they'll have a random event that you have to manage. And then after that, everyone, every player can play one action card. His action cards do various things, but the important thing is on the card, it will reference either port or starboard left or right. If you're not familiar with those terms of, of the lifeboat and it'll assign a weight to that. And so what you kind of have to do is you have to work together cooperatively so that the weight on the port and starboard side is about equal. Any difference in that weight will cause an instability token to be removed from the the boat, and if all of them are removed, your boat capsizes, and you lose the game. So not only do you have to play these action cards to help against these random events, you also have to play them in a coordinated fashion where you don't tip the boat. So I thought that was kind of an interesting concept. Definitely. And if you if you get through the whole route home deck, you you survive and make it make it to the trip home. Sounds interesting. And I definitely think that Oregon Trail reference does sound like it's a Fitting hook in this one. So uh, the campaign is fully funded and it's going to end September 13th. And that one is is Adrift Lost at Sea. And finally, for the news, we'll talk about World of Mythology King of the Hill. So, this is also a two to five player cooperative game that can be played solo or competitive as well. So, in this game, you are starting at the edge of this map and in the middle there's a hill hence the King of the Hill reference. So you're trying to work your way from the edge of this map to the middle. And what you're trying to do is as you move to each land area, you flip over a token and it represents a different god protecting that land. To be able to move forward, you must uh, throw your dice and try to win God's favor. And that normally results in so many throws trying to receive like a almost like a poker hand type result. If you're able to do that, you're successful, that's good. If you failed you have to have combat with a guardian that matches that god. If you're successful, you get a reward, and you can build a temple in that spot, potentially. And if you make it all the way to the center, then you can have to survive a number of rounds against a boss, and then you kind of win the game. And one thing that's kind of cool about this game is there's a lot of mythologies packed into this one game. It goes from Greek, Slavic, Norse, Egyptian, Hindu, and even a mix, kind of a miscellaneous category. But that one has Cthulhu in it. So if you want Cthulhu, there he is. So lots of cool miniatures in here, and the artwork actually looks pretty cool. I liked how they have different mythologies in there. Um, could be fun, not sure. Um not sold on in this one, but might interest a few of you out there. And that game is World of Mythology, King of the Hill. It is not quite funded yet, but it's very close to its goal. And if it is funded, the project is going to end successfully September 27th. And that is going to wrap up our news segment. Now let's jump into our discussion topic, which is going to be a review of Runebound. So if you're not familiar with Runebound, it is a two to four player adventure game by Fantasy Flight Games. And this game it's set in the Tiernoth universe, which is the fantasy world created by Fantasy Flight Games. And so other games that share that universe would be Heroes of Tiranoth, that's the card game that's coming out later this year, hopefully, and like Descent. So in this game, you're playing as different fantasy character tropes. So it could be like a wizard, a warrior, cleric, stuff like that. And you are taking on a scenario. And the scenarios could vary widely from taking down like a dragon boss to uh, fighting off a plague or going after different armies. It kind of varies how you do that. So one thing that's interesting about this game is you can explore different areas you can interact socially or of course combat different enemies in the game so it gives you a lot of variety to explore this world and it's set on a timer track so uh there's different there's two acts so once you go through the timer once you flip the timer over go through the second time and generally by the end of that you this most scenarios end but the scenario will define the the end game condition and in this game they came out with a cooperative expansion which made it so that all the AI or all the enemies in the game had an AI board that controlled its movement. And that's what really sold me on this game when I heard that being launched. Uh, If you want to find out more about that, Colin has an awesome playthrough of it on his One Stop Co-op Shop YouTube channel, so I recommend checking it out. That's kind of the thematic overview, but let's have Elijah
1: describe a little bit about how the game is played. So this game is very unique in that um, you move by dice. So they're called terrain dice and essentially the dice represent um, different terrain that are on the map and you may have mountains, rivers, forests And by rolling those dice that really allows you to to engage in your movement for your character So quite unique across fantasy flight and really a lot of um, sort of adventure games probably uh, solely unique in that regard so uh, For example, if your character is on a mountain and you want to traverse to a forest or over a river When you roll those dice you'll need to get those terrain symbols in order to advance and continue there's one exception to that Um, you can move on roads um, using all of the terrain dice so roads are definitely quicker but a lot of the uh, adventure locations that you need to go to um, are off the beaten path as it were and so it may be quick to travel along the road but you definitely need to move off into the world and adventure and that would require you to spend your terrain dice. So it's kind of a unique uh, characteristic of the game. Uh, Also unique, and you may have read about this or may not, is runes and essentially the casting of runes for combat. So combat resolution is done by these runes or essentially discs. Uh, They're, if you've probably heard the expression POG, uh, it's basically a two-sided disc. And on those discs, um, they vary by every character and also the um, NPCs that are in the world. They have different icons on them that represent different sort of functionality with the uh, abilities of the character or the NPC. So essentially combat is resolved by casting your runes, they're called, or casting these discs. So essentially you take your pogs, um, shuffle them up, and cast them on the table, and they will flip one side or the other, and the combat is resolved through those resolution of the discs. So... Um, you may have an evade, you may have a doubler, um, you may have a damage, um, you may have a special ability. So a pog can come up or a rune can come up with a special ability that would be resolved uniquely across all of the characters. So, for example, the warrior may have one that does something versus the wizard, as it were. And so you could resolve those very unique to rune bound, hence runes. As you journey around the world, um, you will go on adventures and level up. And so by leveling up, you acquire new cards, which give you access to new skills, uh, generally making your character more powerful, um, can certainly round out your character. So if it was, uh, had a deficiency in one area, could definitely uh, make that character stronger. Additionally, since uh, it is co-op, you can um, help balance out the party more efficiently for um, competing against that uh, scenario. You earn rewards by uh, completing adventures. They're usually gold, but they can be some skills. And there's three types of adventures. Those are represented by decks. You have a combat deck. We have a social deck and an explore deck. So uh, they're pretty well named. Um, Your combat deck is going to represent any sort of combat that may happen in the world. These are going to be bats and and orcs and different kind of things that you would encounter in adventures social are going to be sort of running errands or interacting with people maybe helping an old wizard or a merchant exploring are going to uh, generally revolve around uh, moving from one part of the world to the other and exploring Um, and again it could be a pick up and deliver or something like that so Each of these cards is represented by a uh, gem on the board. And so you know what you're getting into. So if your character, for example, was not too good at combat, or maybe you're not gearing that character towards combat, you could focus on the social or the explorer gems. And so when you land on them through your terrain dice, you would pick up and resolve a social or an explorer card. And some of them are resolved right away. You would flip the card and maybe take action immediately. Others might require you to hang on to that card and only when you're at another location uh on the map you would resolve that uh that quest. And again, you could be rewarded through gold or items. Um sometimes you may get an additional rune that you can cast. So that allows you essentially to customize your uh hero. Um and with that gold you can purchase equipment. So there is a merchant or a, a market, sorry, there is a market available. Um, Each city has different market cards that are represented, and they can be things like uh, boots that uh, allow you to move faster. We have um, gold that you can pick up and deliver, and and things like that. Capes, different things that would allow you to, again, add runes that you could be casting. So really kind of a a fun way to customize your hero. So that's essentially Runebound in a nutshell. Um, It's an awesome adventure game that really kind of gives you that sense of the sandbox what i can the world is really open and flexible to what you uh, want to do
0: that's a great description thanks for that elijah and now let's jump into the meat and potatoes the review so with this review we're going to try a slightly different format elijah and i talked about this and so we're going to do what we're calling a three by three format and what this is is we're going to mention three cons and three pros and these are going to be personal to our our opinions so while I might think something's a pro or a con. You may not agree with me, but at least for the purposes of this review, I'm considering it either a pro or a con. So what we're going to do is we're going to talk about our number three con and work our way up to the number one con, but we'll alternate it by going uh, a pro immediately afterwards. It'll be number three con, number three pro, number two con, number two pro, number one con, number one pro. And so Elijah has his list and I have my list and we have not compared notes, but we're going to share them out here and see you guys think so elijah why don't you start us off with your number
1: three con so my number three con would probably be for this game that the scenario cards are very different um this was a quite interesting uh three the three by three is quite interesting to come up with so I, i like the idea of uh the scenario cards are very different But this can also be a con. And so for me, it it moves a little bit into the con territory. Number three, so definitely lower on the list. So the scenario card sometimes can change the game in that you may be referring back to that scenario card. Now, this would naturally take care of itself the more you play through the game. So on your initial playthrough, when you look at a scenario, um, there are some tokens that are included in the game that are fairly generic. And when you refer to the scenario card, it's going to let you know, hey, this is what you're doing, fighting the Spider Queen, and these tokens represent X, Y, and Z. And so that is a con, in my opinion. Um, The game is not always streamlined. It's a little harder to break out with somebody who might be new to the game, a new gaming group. If you have a a strong uh, host who is very familiar with the scenarios in the game, that will help. But in my mind, this isn't a game that... um, that you know the scenarios, again, provide that variability, but sometimes they change the game a little bit and um, you just have to kind of understand how that scenario is going to work and and fit that game. So again, this is definitely a pro for some people. I love personally that the scenarios keep the game uh, fresh. Uh, I'm also a big fan that the tokens are generic and can really represent anything. And so for me, um, again, this was a tough one uh, and I ended up throwing it in the con just because um, sometimes when we break the game out, is a little bit of a review that happens with those scenarios. So that's my number three con, Steve. I'll pass it to you. I'd like to hear yours.
0: Okay. I might be touching on that a little bit later. So uh, my number three con is setup. So I really enjoy this game, but setup is a pain. And so what I mean by that is I, I have, I think at this point, all the expansions, I might be missing one, but I have basically all the expansions for this game. And you, even without the expansions, you have to prepare the decks before you can play. And there's a lot of that going on where you don't necessarily use all the cards at all times. The cards are set up in different groups. So, what I mean by that is like the market cards, there are a, n- a number of different groups in there. In the corner, there's a symbol that represents that group. And you grab so many, a number of these groups and mix them all together. And that creates your market space. So, next time you play the game, you can choose a different grouping of those market cards and have a a slightly different marketplace and that also happens with the skill deck and to some extent it happens with the adventure decks as well. So the adventure decks in that one you are shuffling in scenario cards into that deck, so you'll be doing that a little bit, but if you also have the expansions, you have more adventure cards than than what you would normally need for the base game, so then you would have to Grab all the cards, shuffle those up, pull out some of them, and then shuffle in those scenario cards. you have the right number of, of cards to each of those decks. There's a, a set number of cards you need to have for each of the combat, social, and exploration deck. And so all these decks you're trying to pull out different different combinations of them, shuffle them all together, and then obviously setting up the board in itself and everything else. It it takes time to set up. And you have all these little tokens to put on the board. It's it's one of those games that if we're going to play it at at a game night, I would want to have this set up in advance. So that's my con is setup just takes way too long.
1: Steve, I really like that number three con. Quite interesting. It did not make my list, but uh, that might have been a slight oversight. I'm glad you covered it. Um, there, I would agree with you. There is a lot going on here. Definitely something if you have the time to set up an, uh, the game in advance. Um, it, would, it would streamline the experience, certainly with the card decks uh, as well. So
0: Elijah, let's jump into your pro number
1: three. So my pro for uh, number three would be balance. Feel that this game um, is very balanced. Every time I play, um, there is a sense of threat from the game and the world. The characters do not feel overpowered in any way. Um, a lot of the runes and sort of the abilities that you're able to acquire and the items from the market It just feels really balanced. The timer that's built into the game is uh, very appropriately balanced with the scenarios. As I mentioned, they vary quite widely in what you're trying to do. Yet, um, I do not feel that any one scenario, character, item where really quests are very overpowered or underpowered, and so my number three pro is balance. I feel that the game is just really balanced uh, against all the scenarios and characters.
0: Yeah, that's a good that's a good point. That was not part of my list, but I I would agree with that. I it's very rare that I feel like I am super powerful in that game to the extent where I can just steamroll everything. I feel like there's always a threat at that whatever I'm going for that I won't succeed. So I that's a, that's a good point. I like that. So my number three. Pro is actually the scenarios. So, a little bit different than what you were saying, Elijah, but this is my take on the scenarios. I love the scenarios, I think they're awesome. The one thing I like about them is the fact that you do take combat card, adventure cards, social adventure cards, and exploration adventure cards and shuffle them into those decks. And so, what that makes me feel is as I'm going on these combat, social, and exploration adventures, these cards reference the overall scenario that's happening in the world. And I feel like it kind of brings the whole thing to life for me where things are happening on these adventures that relates to the actual scenario events happening at the time. That kind of just, like I said, it just brings the whole thing together for me. I mentioned earlier how the setup's a little bit annoying, but the scenario setup generally isn't too bad. It's just all the other decks that shut The setup is the problem, but yeah, definitely made the scenarios and they, they do very, pretty well um but a lot of them do have boss battles at the end so it might be a little samey in that regard but how you get to those boss battle does change so that's my number three scenarios okay
1: elijah so let's move on to number two what is your con number two so my number two con for this game would be um i guess in my experience is slower progression and um by that it really is the game starts off very slow. And so with your character in the beginning, um, you're really trying to get a handle on the um, combat, the social or the explore cards and find them in the game. Um, you're trying to get that precious gold that is very difficult to acquire and yet work on the thread of the scenario while earning gold for items in the market that you may be drooling over. So you may have a awesome sword for your warrior But you do not have that gold. And so for me, con is that slow ramp up. So the game obviously allows for um, everybody to acquire those items. But I feel that the the way and the amount of time it takes to get those items is a little slow. Uh, I guess, you know, I would like to see a little bit of a faster ramp up. Um, I think there are house rules you could probably uh, add to the game that would speed that up. But as the game is out of the box, my number two con would be, it just takes a little bit slower than I would like to see my character become more powerful and be able to acquire items uh, and progress through the game.
0: That's a great point. It's not on my list, but I'm glad you mentioned it. And I, I feel like there are... So one of the market items in the game are these goods, and you can normally pick these up from one location and transport them to another to get some gold and that's a nice easy way of getting gold. I think I almost feel like that was added to the game to help with that ramp up but at the same time I don't want to feel like I'm dependent on doing that in the early game but not sure. Anyway great point I like it. So my number two con is not enough opportunities to cooperate. So this game originally was a competitive game and they added a cooperative expansion which Honestly, it feels like it merges into the gameplay pretty well because I think the competitive game was a lot like Multiplayer Solitaire anyway. So, But I feel like they didn't take it far enough that I would want it. So the qu- ability to cooperate is you can travel together as a party and there are these party skills that pop up in the skill deck you can level up so you can work on those together as a group. And those are those are kind of nice. But that's kind of where it ends. If you're going to attack a big boss you attack them one at a time. If you're going to attack these other enemies or go to these adventures, you're kind of doing it on, on only on your turn, only one character at a time. I feel like they could take that one step further. And the other thing is those party skills I mentioned, they come out of that skill deck and it will fill a slot in your hand, which is kind of unfortunate because while you can work on it together as a group, it actually takes away one of your skills you can hold your hand that you can level up for your character later on so i feel like it would have been a lot better if that was just flipped up in the beginning as a community hand essentially and you keep your individual hand separate so you can still have the highest potential of leveling up your character so that's my number two it's, it's still cooperative but i wish it would take it a little another step further to make it even more cooperative so elijah
1: let's jump into your number two pro For my number two pro, I have listed replayability. So one of the things I love about this game is um, it does offer a wide variety of replayability between a lot of the um, different combat, social, and explore cards, the characters, and the scenarios. You may have a scenario that would be the same, but again, depending on the characters that you bring, how they're equipped, what you end up buying from the markets, some of the skills that you buy or purchase, and then the um, combat, social, or explore encounters you have, the replayability is pretty high here. So every time you break it out, you're generally going to feel like um, it's it's a pretty new experience. So for me, uh, my number two con is replayability. That said, um, you know this again could fall in someone's con list. Um, if this is a game that you're going to be playing every day, certainly you will see some of the events coming up or the cards coming up more often than not. Uh, But at least in my mind, uh, I feel that the game out of the box with the co-op expansion, there is a lot of replayability there. So I'm going to turn it over to you, Steve, for your number two pro.
0: Yeah, replayability did not show up on my list, but I'll agree with you. And I'll even make uh, another comment that those scenario decks, which can control that story, it's set up in such a way where you'll never see all all those scenario cards in one game. You'll see most of them. I think it's like eight of ten of them. But it's nice that you have some some replayability, even in that sense. Not only, And if you add the expansions, you can have a ton of different replayability with the skills that come out, different items that come out. Yeah, good point. I agree on that one. So my number two pro is the, what I'm calling the adventure system. So I'm a big fan of adventure games. And what I mean by that is dungeon crawls are very fun. But they tend to be focused on combat. And adventure games in my mind, they tend to have other options in it. And Runebound does that in spades, in my opinion. Where you have the social interactions, you have the exploration, and you still have the combat in there. I feel like it's viable to go down any of those paths if you want. The other thing that I really like about it is these points of interest that are marked on the map for each of these ventures locations, they get reset After enough time passes. So if you go to a location. Do an exploration there. Later on in the game. That a different exploration will be available at that spot. It makes it really nice. So that you don't necessarily have to travel across the entire map. And waste time going really far away. If you just want to stay in a certain area. And and hit a number of uh, sites strategically. Uh, The other thing I like a lot about this game. Is the risk reward balance of the adventures. So what I mean by that is. How the cards the combat social and explorer are set up they're set up in such a way that the the risk and reward is nicely balanced so the combat is almost certainly always immediately resolved i'm not sure if there's an example that come to my mind where it's not immediately resolved but the problem is with combat is it's normally fairly high risk where you have this multiple rounds of combat you take a lot of wounds but you also get a pretty nice payout at the end generally uh, and social Social is normally dependent on a skill test of some kind or it could be just a choice. And that generally is immediate, but not in all cases is immediate. It could vary. And generally your reward from that may not be nearly as good as combat. It varies a little bit. And then exploration takes the most time because you pick it up at one location then you have to travel all the way to another end of the world in some cases to achieve this exploration reward. But the nice thing about that reward is you can do it again and again and again until you get the result you want. You you don't have the option of failing the exploration task and not receiving anything if you chose choose to desire that. So I really like how those are weighted differently, the risk reward. So maybe I'll pick up exploration early on that I know it's going to take longer, but I, I know I'll get the reward I want out of that. Versus taking the combat up front. Maybe I'll take a high risk, and if I get that that nice payout, I can I can start my uh my my uh, leveling up and customization of my hero early. That's really really quite fun. Big fan of that. So that's why I'm calling the adventure system. Okay, now let's jump into our number ones. So, Elijah, what is your number one con? For
1: my number one con for Runebound, quite interesting. This was tough. Uh, I really love this game and I love everything um, about it. I love the replayability, as I mentioned. The um, slower progression is something you can deal with. The balance is great. Oddly enough, my single complaint about this game is the dice. And so, believe it or not, um, the dice that are included by Fantasy Flight are sticker dice. And I am just not a fan of sticker dice. To me, this is something that could be fixed so easily. Um, Fantasy Flight has done heat transfer with the uh, Star Wars Destiny game. And um, I know this is quite interesting number one con, but there are reports of people with the uh, stickers peeling off and the terrain, you know, dice just not sticking. And really for such a small change, a small amount of money, I believe that uh, this is something that could be f- fixed very easily. So I, you can kind of gauge from uh, this being my number one con as well, that I really don't have a lot of negatives to say about this game. It's It's in my collection. I love it. And um, I would just uh, really appreciate to see a Fantasy Flight coming out with some heat transfer dice for um, this game to fix the the stickers. I, I believe stickers are have had their time. So that's my number one uh, con, Steve. I'll turn it over to you. Quite interested to hear what you have.
0: That's a great point. I agree completely. I don't know why they haven't done it. I'm sure that has some logistics issues or whatever. But I feel like if they came out with like a dice pack. Maybe it's like five, seven, ten bucks. I'm not sure how much it costs to do that, but I think that would sell, honestly. I've seen that request a number of times online. So, yep, not on my list, but can definitely agree. So, my number one con for this game is downtime. I enjoy this game a lot, but the problem is while combat is normally pretty engaging and fun, it takes a while. You'll do a number of rounds to do combat, and that's generally where the downtime happens in this game. It's not so bad in a one to two player player game. It's fine, Um, especially in a two player game. The other person can can cast the runes for the enemy and you can be engaged the entire time. But if you have three to four players, it's a little harder to be engaged in that combat. You're not always invested in it. And so that just becomes downtime and it can take a while for your turn to come up if a lot of people do combat rounds between between your your turn and your next turn. So for that reason alone, I'm, I like this game a lot, but I would definitely recommend this for one to two players, maybe three, four, would shy, shy away from, but three, I would say, is dependent on your game group and how they treat downtime.
1: But that's my uh, number one con. Steve, that is absolutely brilliant. Uh, I guess I would have to agree there on that um, con as well. At larger player counts, this game is going to drag I think it shines um, definitely solo or two players. Um, as you get into the higher player counts, there is a little bit, especially when you get into combat and casting the runes. You can keep other people involved at the table by allowing them to cast the runes for the NPC, so the monster or the orc or whatever you're fighting, um, and that will keep them engaged, but certainly only one other person. There is the cooperative aspect of the nature whereby you know everybody at the table can't tune out. Um, you definitely have to kind of stay tuned on... Um, the progression of the game and certainly the progression of the party or the character. But I can, I would definitely agree with you on that point.
0: Okay. Let's move on to our number
1: one pro. So what's yours, Elijah? My number one pro, this was, uh, I think very easy for me. So my number one pro for this game is the sense of adventure and open world. That's really what Runebound sets out to do. And I think it does it really well. So, I mean, you have in front of you, the gorgeous board, um, you're free to go really wherever you want, uh, you know, by spending your terrain dice. If you want, you could hop all social and you could hit every social gem and social quest and really try to avoid or, you know, uh, not, yeah, you really could avoid combat in most uh, scenarios. If you were somebody who was uh, more of a warrior, you could hit those combat runes and gems every time and and be looking to do the combat. So I just feel with the quest system and the skills your character really has a sense of sort of being a, uh, on a, an adventure and a journey, exploring the world. Uh, that's why I love Runebound. It's absolutely my number one pro. Um, I think it does it well. You know, again, set against the pros and cons as listed the dice, the, the progression, the scenario cards, the replayability and balance. In the end, I think Runebound is unique in the market uh, for an adventure game. Um, certainly, it's been through uh, several editions, and I think it gets better every time the latest edition is brilliant. The co-op, again, feels um, maybe slightly tacked on. Again, as you mentioned, um, it was not co-op from the beginning, but with the co-op expansion, the game is just wonderful. So every time I put it away or break it out, uh, I definitely am getting that uh, sense of adventure and exploring the world. So that's my number one pro. And I'll turn it over to you, Steve. I'd love to hear
0: what you have. I agree completely that uh, adventure, sense of adventure, get that every time I break this out and I love that about this game. My number one pro is a little different though. As you very well know, I love stealth games. That's my one of my main mechanics that drives me through games. My other one is I love finding combos and that's where my number one pro comes from. The level of character customization and being able to find different combos is really fun in this game. So you have the marketplace with all your items. You so you can find some combinations of those. In the skill deck, as you cycle through a skill deck, you find some combos in that, and sometimes you can even combo the skills and the marketplace items together, or even with your your default ability you start with in the game. And each of these different items and weapons for sale, uh, some items give you additional discs, like Elijah mentioned before. So you you start off with only three discs or runes you can cast, as to say. And as you acquire more abilities, more items, you can have like up to like six like runes to cast at one time and you just feel really powerful and these combos you put together that sense of progression is totally there in a relatively short amount of time i love finding those combos and, and skills in this game and every time i play it i find different different ways of tweaking that with different characters it's a lot of fun so that's my number one pro so that's gonna wrap up our three by three format let's just end the
1: conversation with a few thoughts so elijah what's your final thoughts on this game So this is a game that um, I was looking to scratch that adventure itch. Um, It does so wonderfully. It's a solid game on my shelf. I will not trade it away or sell it. Um, Again, the dice being there, very minor. Uh, The progression for, at least in our experience, has been um, slightly slow. But again, we're still having a great time. Um, We're not playing with larger player counts. We try to keep everybody involved sometimes even rotating casting the runes uh, of the npc across uh, the different players at the table the sense of adventure is there and that's absolutely what i love about runebound so for me the um it really does uh, set out to do what it's uh, what it is designed to do so very well balanced the components are great the artwork is wonderful the board is just amazing to look at so and and i'll I'll end with my future thoughts steve on this game so i feel that this is a, a solid game in fantasy flights lineup um, fairly unique across the uh, all the games available. Certainly, we've had some other sort of uh, crawler, dungeon, sort of adventure, uh, tactical games that have come out. Runebound is still fairly unique. The, the whole concept of casting runes is um, unique to Runebound, I believe. So, I mean, we have card play, we have dice play. And so, uh, I feel that this game is solid. I don't know that Fantasy Flight will do any uh, future additions. I don't feel it needs it. The co-op expansion, it would be great to see more uh skill cards added to round out that skill deck, you know, and certainly keep the game fresh, uh maybe with some new scenario packs, um character cards. Uh, the World of off if you're invested in it, it is kind of fun. It's fairly generic in my mind, but uh it still is a great uh romp and through uh adventure land. And so, there is some crossover with Dungeon Quest and um also the new Heroes of off that's coming out. So, uh, I feel that this game, is, uh, it, it will remain on my shelf. I love it. Um, and every time we break it out, we're excited to see what adventures unfold us. So with that, we'll go ahead and turn it back over to you, Steve. I'm going to agree with you, Elijah.
0: This game is a staple on my shelf. I can't see getting rid, rid of it. It is, well, we're going to do a, a top co-op list in the near future. little spoiler for you. But this one ranks very high for me. And I love the sense of venture. Like I said before, I like dungeon crawls but I like adventure games even more. Give me the option to do not just combat, but do other stuff. And this one does in spades. Love it. Um, A lot of people will not like the casting of pogs or those rune discs. That doesn't bother me as much. It's, they're two sided. So I feel like it's almost like rolling a die, but you only have two results. So it's easy to kind of manipulate them, get, get the results you want. Uh, But, it is a little awkward trying to castle sometimes what we've wound up doing at my house is i have i take the box lid flip it upside down and i just say have my wife or myself just throw into that box lid it keeps them contained if they're flying there works out okay works out pretty good so and then like you said with the the dice and stickers yeah that's an issue but it hasn't really deterred me from the game. I, all These minor cons we've mentioned about, yeah, they're definitely cons to the game, but I still love it. I don't foresee ever having to leave my collection at this point. Now, for future thoughts, I really, really hope they come out with one more, at least one more hero expansion for this game. And the reason why I state that is they've come out with some heroes expansions, and in those heroes expansions, they came with a skill deck, a parva skill deck, and one thing we haven't mentioned is there are three characteristics of skills you can level up. Uh, I don't remember the names offhand, but there's a yellow, blue, and red one. And if you buy all the expansions, it's not equally balanced yet. We have, we're short one red deck. So I'm hoping that this year, maybe, or maybe next year, if we had to wait that long, that they at least will make one more character expansion to fill out that, that skill deck. And then that'll make me very happy. Uh, I know in the previous editions of this game, they had different maps completely where you would travel different worlds or different lands, as to say. Um, obviously, I will accept all the expansions they make for this game, but if they just do that one hero, I'll make me, I'll be happy for a while. So that's kind of my final future thoughts. I, I know this doesn't get a lot of attention, but it's definitely worth checking out if you haven't checked it out yet. And with that, that's going to wrap up our Runebound episode. So if you have any news or upcoming games you'd like to first discuss you can reach out to us on, on the social media platform platforms we will do our best to share with the listen, listeners and the best way to reach out to us is definitely through slack and that's the one stop slack uh, link and i'll put that in the show notes and you can always email us at one stop co-op shop or MVP games
1: at gmail.com
0: And I'd like to thank Elijah for joining me on this special episode.
1: Thanks, Steve, for having me on. It was my pleasure. Uh, Happy to talk about Roombound and go over the 3x3. I loved it. I'm very excited to do some future episodes with you as well. So thank you for having me on. Appreciate it. And we'll
0: see everyone at the next stop. Thanks for joining us for
1: another episode of Co-opCast, your one-stop for cooperative game news and reviews. If you enjoyed this week's episode, please review us on iTunes. And while you're there, check out Mindless Fate. They provide our bumper music. Also, check out Colin on his
0: YouTube channel, One Stop Co-op Shop, and follow us on Facebook at One Stop
1: Co-op Cast. Finally, join our Slack group by emailing us at MVP Board Games for continued discussion on these topics throughout the week. Thanks for joining us, and we'll see you next week.
0: To hear your name, it. Uh, if you, blah 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 blah, blah. I don't want to say that. Let me redo that one. <laughs> uh, on the bomb half of those cards, they have a unique she shant. Bah <laughs> <laughs>
1: <Okay. Sea> shanty. <laughs> Is that what you're gonna say? Yes, words are hard to say. Okay.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's a good one. I did not list that on my my
1: list. Oh my god! Don't listen my list. Thank you